The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to a special episode of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we are talking about Captain Marvel, the latest release from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And joining me today is my wonderful wife, Becky, who joined me last night to see the movie. We are recording Friday night, so we got to a, an early showing on Thursday. And we wanted to record and get this out as soon as possible. So this isn't going to be quite as refined a episode as you might be used to from me. But, you know, we really want to get it out. We really want to talk about this movie. We're excited about it. So we're going to forego my usual several hours of edits and just get this out to you guys as much as possible. You mean you're not so refined naturally? Not a chance. (laughs) So overall, what did you think of the movie? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was... It was a fresh take on a Marvel movie. It wasn't something we'd ever seen before. And I'm not talking about the female lead. I'm talking about just the plot, uh, just the feel of the movie. It was something new and fresh in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I will agree with you. It was very novel. It had, it was similar to like Ant-Man and Black Panther in that it was a lot less formulaic than the standard marvel movie i mean black panther had the the marvel formula pretty solidly but you know this decided to go a few different places with it its hero was a little bit different again not just talking about gender but in the way they defined themselves and in the way that we kind of approached the story it was a little bit of a a non-linear at times there were a lot of heavy flashbacks so it's nice to see marvel branching out you know the the russo brothers do a great job with the movies because they've done they've done a number of them now but at the same time it's it's important and it's it's nice it's refreshing to get a new perspective on something yes and i think part of it is that this is out of chronological order with the rest of the cinematic universe that helps but this felt like it could stand alone it felt like its own movie you didn't feel like you were in iron man's world because for one thing he doesn't exist yet it was also nice to see marvel characters that we've come to know in a little bit of a different light uh specifically i'm thinking of nick fury this was a much looser much more approachable nick fury than we have seen in the avengers movies he's not the hardened spy director of shield that we are we've come to know and if the thing for the most part enjoy he really is a experienced but relatively young agent fairly early in his career with shield and he hasn't seen all of these horrible negative things that kind of turn him into the nick fury we see in like winter soldier and he still has two eyes yes honestly they did a fairly good job with the digital aging on both samuel L. jackson and clark gregg there was one scene with clark gregg in the stairwell where I was like, ooh. Yes, I will agree with you on that. But when you look at that compared to some other digital aging or digital faces, especially Samuel L. Jackson was 99% of the time not very noticeable. Yeah, I mean, I doubt they had to do much to him. He hasn't really aged. 
a whole lot in general. Not a not a ton, but I mean, he he looks very good. He looks like he he would have in like Coming to America, which was his fir- his first film role. But he's he's very young and very vibrant. Yes. But he's still Samuel L. Jackson. And he's a little he's a little naive. The, the character of Nick Fury is a little naive because, as you said, he hasn't seen everything that he will come to see in his tenure at S.H.I.E.L.D. So in this movie, he's like, he doesn't believe everything all the time. And he's super trusting uh, of his boss. Doesn't occur to him that he could be a scroll. Yeah. So we've kind of started diving into the the film here a bit. Just kind of a, a general synopsis. So we find the Carol the character of Carol Danvers as a Cree. She's been living on Hala for six years and she is part of really what amounts to a covert strike force for the Kree, headed by Jude Law's character, Jan Rog. And with this team, she is fighting part of the what amounts to the Marvel classic Kree Scroll War. And eventually she ends up on Earth after a mission gone bad. And that's the point at which her life as she knows it currently starts to unravel and the past that was missing that was hidden from her begins to reassert itself and from there we kind of just go on a, a, a bit of a roller coaster through both carol's emotions and really the marvel universe of the early to mid 90s i think someone determined the film was probably somewhere said about 1994 based on the blockbuster sign from the trailer because i guess after 1994 or so blockbuster had changed its sign a little bit it's also you know the height of grunge and as we've seen as we saw in the trailer and as you see in the film at one point carol danvers is dressed very 90s seattle grunge and samuel jackson even even makes a comment about that so i think didn't they mention that the plane went down in 89 and then it had been six years so that would be 95 maybe Uh, it said it at about the same you know, you're right. That's a good point. So yeah, about 95 then. That just occurred to me. So in, in general, I will say that I really enjoyed that 90s setting. I mean, you and I are both of an age where we grew up in the 90s, you know, born in the 80s, but we really, our childhood was was in the 90s. So I have a lot of fond memories of this time. The music that they were playing in the background constantly was music that I still love to listen to. Yep. You know, the, the, the closing credits are to hold celebrity skin like (laughs) that's the era and that's the kind of music we're talking about and i really enjoyed it and there's certainly in our society today there's 90s nostalgia is big so it was it was definitely a good choice for for the movie um you can't go wrong with 90s nostalgia nowadays no certainly marvel and and obviously you know corporate overlord disney knows their their market Right. So I I think probably the next big thing is kind of the obvious one is what did you think of Captain Marvel herself, of Carol Danvers? I mean, I loved the character because she was just, I mean, she was on this journey to find herself. Um, it's, It's a pretty common trope, I think, where somebody starts off with a mission that they're given, but along the way they find a connection and then their mission becomes to find themselves. So, you know, it was it was nice to see her just focus on herself. And while she had her Cree mission in the background, she starts to um, 
just focus more and more on, okay, what is my connection here? Um, and I thought, you know, she was very cool, very strong, um, very heroic. And I just wish, and I've gone on this tangent all the time, that women in combat and in real life, they do. Women in combat put their damn hair up or at least put a headband on. Drives me crazy. It's the most unrealistic thing <laughs> about female superheroes. Black Panther is the only one that got it right. Um, uh, but anyways, totally different tangent. Has nothing to do with character development or anything. It just really upsets me when I see female superheroes fighting and their hair is in their face. And like, I understand it looks good, but it's so impractical. Um, but anyways, overall, um, I thought the character was, she was really great. What did you think? I really enjoyed the fact that the character starts off very confused and unsure of herself. And they even play that off as, you know, part of her training that she's this Cree warrior and that, you know, she's been given this great gift and she needs to learn how to better use it. And she doesn't really struggle with it, but she's just very unsure of how she fits into the universe. She knows what she's been told, what she's been taught, but there's always that sense from her that she feels there's something more out there and she's just reaching for it. And until she finds her way to earth until she finds this mission she doesn't really know what is missing just that something is and then as it progresses there's actually a period where she becomes more and more confused where the pieces aren't even adding up and then eventually she comes to a point where she finds clarity at least to a certain extent but it's really interesting to see a character start off kind of in that nebulous state of being right a lot of superheroes, there are transitions, but they move from state A to state B. And it's a very linear transition. You know, Captain America starts off as Steve Rogers, the scrawny weakling, and he ends up as Steve Rogers, Captain America, super buff. And the, the superhero, Carol Danvers, starts off with a, a great amount of power, but really, in a lot of ways, lacking in purpose and just kind of existing and then she moves into finding a very specific purpose and having a much clearer sense of who she is as both a person and as a use her term a warrior and she understands who she is and where she's been much better by the end i also think that it's important to note her power She's always had it. And a lot of superheroes, it's about like them finding their power, them learning to control their power and, you know, wrestling with themselves to try and figure out how to do that, how to maintain control. And with her, she seems to be fairly in control of it. And, you know, she's not just blasting things willy nilly. Um, for her, it appears like her power is kept, it's kept down by outside forces, which I think we have to address as a female, um, as a female character, that that's fairly common. And I feel like a lot of women are going to relate to that. Um, I especially, I was having, you know, this visceral reaction every time Jude Law's character was like, you need to control your emotions. And at first I was thinking, you know, you don't tell a male superhero to control his emotions. And then I realized, well, no, there's characters like the Hulk. And you do tell him, hey, try to stay calm. Try not to get angry. Um, so I was like, why am I feeling just so offended every time he says to control her emotions? And it's because her emotions aren't out of control. She's fighting with him. She has a way to beat him. 
And he's telling her, no, don't do that. He's keeping her power suppressed by calling her emotional. And I think a lot of women can relate to that. And a lot of women can relate to, you know, you express power and strength and people, not always men, and, you know, not everyone, but our society, we've, a lot of us have grown up with people being scared of women who are powerful, who are strong. And, and every woman has had a situation where somebody's like, oh, you, you must be very emotional. It must be your time of the month or things get blamed on our emotions much more often than they are of men's. Um, and I think this movie did a very good job of not really focusing too much on the fact that she's female, but there are certain aspects that we have to appreciate that she's gone through different experiences because of her gender. For one thing, she wouldn't have her powers if she hadn't been discriminated against because she was a woman. No, that's very true. <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier she's, ha she's always had her powers. That's true in, in the context of the fact that as long as she has thought herself a Cree, right. she has had those powers. She gets them through an accident as an Air Force pilot. But that discrimination you're talking about is a fairly constant factor through her life and her defiance of that emotional and at times physical beating down. And, and that's also what makes the character, I think, more interesting is her just unending resilience. Right. Which is epitomized in that montage of her at various stages in her life stand physically standing up um, against people who are physically trying to keep her down. Yes. One of the other things I also like is not only are they trying are they using psychological and societal means to try and bring Carol down, but they also have to do it physically as well. Right. Her powers are actually suppressed by a, a physical implant that she is told is actually, or it's implied at least, is the source of her power. And as she progresses, she figures out exactly what's going on, and she overcomes this physical impediment. Right. <laughs> So as kind of the standard white male here, <laughs> I will say that a lot of these are really interesting things for me to to, to, to hear you say and, and to kind of talking points to, to discuss. One of the things that kind of struck me is as you're talking about these things, everything you're saying, I, I, I'm, I'm finding myself thinking back at the film going, yeah, okay, yep. All right, I see that now. I see that now. But it was done in such a way that it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting clubbed over the head with it. Right. It's not like, this is a feminist movie. Here you go. And But I, I do think that the fact that we had a female writer and director, the same person in, in Anna Bowden, really kind of helped with that, right? She brought the right perspective to the film to make the points, but to do so in an artistic way. Absolutely. And there are certain things you need certain people's perspective on. Um, I think having female director of Wonder Woman was was a good idea. I think having a, a black director of Black Panther, you know, helped. There are certain, you know, we can work to open our minds to the experiences of people who are different than us. But there are certain experiences that are that you have to have gone through yourself. And in order to portray them accurately, and then by portraying them accurately, people who are different, different gender, different race, whatever, can understand them better because they are being portrayed ac accurately. And 
And passionately, too. Yeah, this is a cast that that is definitely very interested and involved in not just the physical acting, the physical film, but in the larger messaging that the film presents and really trying to be honest with that. One aspect that... I found myself thinking during the movie, I'm like, why aren't all the Cree blue? Like, why do they have different skin tones? Like, aren't, you know, alien races supposed to be, you know, homogeneous? Yes. And then I was like, wait a minute, our planet is filled with people of different skin colors. And so why shouldn't another planet? Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up. I'd have to go back and look, but that is actually a a problem with the Cree is that there are more desirable skin tones than others. If I remember right, the the pink Cree, the effectively the white Cree are generally higher on the food chain than the blue, but I could have that backwards. And in the comics, they're a little, they're literally a little bit, they're, they're not really very Caucasian. They're actually more pink. Yeah, that was just something I found myself thinking and then realizing an alien race doesn't have to be all one color. They don't have to all look the same because we don't. So what did you think of Goose? Oh my gosh, Goose. I'm not a cat person, you are. But, uh, oh, Goose the Flurkin. Yes, Goose was Goose was a lot of fun. Yes. Especially Samuel L. Jackson's interactions with the cat. Again, Nick Fury interacting with a cat and just being super loving on it all the time was really entertaining to watch. Absolutely. And I was not surprised at all by the end credit scene of Goose puking up the Tesseract like a hairball i was like they're going to do this at some point and by the end of the movie they hadn't done it i said that's going to be the end credit scene yes now i I will admit that i did not see that coming like you did but i i thoroughly enjoyed that especially as a cat owner you know you just kind of hear that you're like oh oh god here it comes yep yeah so it's instinctively just as a cat owner i knew that was about to happen um but it was still really entertaining, especially when he's, you know, hawking up something the size of the Tesseract. So what did you think about, you know, some of the secondary characters? Um, what was the scroll leader's name? Talos. Talos. Yeah, played by Ben Mendelsohn. I think Ben Mendelsohn did a really good job with it. I enjoyed it. I appreciated very much the character twist. Yes, I did not see that coming. Nor did I. It's one of those things I know some of the history between the Kree and the Skrull because I've read comics kind of interspersed throughout Marvel history, but I don't have a a clear timeline of it. So I knew that the Skrull homeworld is destroyed, but I didn't know that we were going to see that in this film or that that was going to be implied. We don't actually see the destruction. It's only discussed and implied, but I had just assumed that this was going to be all Kree Skrull war and that was it. Right. Yeah, I did not foresee that the Skrull were actually going to be the good guys. I absolutely foresaw that Jude Law was going to be an antagonist in some way, shape, or form. But to have the Skrull turn around and and be the ones who needed protecting, that was very surprising to me. And I appreciate a twist that I can't see coming. I think it was also surprising because while both alien races are often antagonistic towards humans, the Kree have a bit of a better tendency to being heroes because you end up with characters like the original Captain Marvel. You end up with Carol Danvers. There've been a couple of other Krees who have been members of 
other superhero teams like Guardians of the Galaxy. So they've tended to ally themselves far more with heroes, where the Skrulls have really very consistently been villains, oftentimes villains of the Fantastic Four and some some of the Avengers, but they're almost always villains. So to take that twist and make them sympathetic as as characters was really kind of interesting to 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 be involved in and it got me thinking about what questions i would ask and answer to figure out if someone was a scroll or not yeah i don't have good answers for that i don't have good questions either i'm not a scroll does that work uh i don't think that's supposed i don't think that's the way it works i don't have photon blast so yeah maybe i am a scroll and don't know it i i don't know uh let's see here it was nice to see korath return yes I would have liked to have seen uh, both Korath and Ronan, actually. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of an inkling of their future in the characters. Yes, I agree. Now, one thing I, I really actually liked is that Ronan is obviously at this point a member of the Accusers, which is Ronan's standard title, Ronan the Accuser. But as part of the Accusers, they, they bomb planets and their ships are much smaller versions, but they look very similar to Ronan's ship from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And I liked that the fact that we kept the technology looking similar means we're still working within the same universe. It's like Star Trek. Not all the ships look identical, but you can tell that they're all in the same fleet. Yes. You know, the rest of the the Kree squad she's with were really kind of just there. They were very forgettable. Yeah. Minerva's the only one whose name I can even remember. Yes. And she was kind of cool, but like not that much and not all that memorable. Yeah. So a little bit more character development with them might have been nice. What did you think of Maria? I really liked Maria. I think both as her and Carol as, as pilots kind of in the flashbacks and then kind of as we see them paired together work really well together. They, they have that pilot kind of mentality that that personality to them and then her as the person trying to wrap her head around everything that's going on that her her friend who's been declared dead for six years has suddenly shown up at her doorstep and has no memory of her and now maria has to wrap her brain around this pretty darn quickly yeah and i I loved her daughter. I loved Monica. Who herself, at some point in the future, will be is Captain Marvel. She is actually... Monica Rambeau is actually the second Captain Marvel. Definitely see that. Yeah, not after... Not actually after Carol, because Carol, in the comics, doesn't become Captain Marvel until a fairly recent development. Probably in the last, oh, five years, maybe? Maybe a little longer than that. Um, But, yeah, so Marvel starts off as Captain Marvel, and then Monica Rambeau, and then Carol Danvers. Although Carol Danvers as Miss Marvel existed much longer. What I liked about Maria and Monica was... One, we haven't really seen a either a superhero or a sidekick with children, except for Hawkeye, who we only recently found out has children and a family. And they're really kind of background or like flavoring to his character. Right. They're very not fundamental to his character. Right. And so whenever a sidekick gets asked, and I think, what's Captain America's friend's name? Bucky. No, the other one. The one that flies. Falcon. Falcon. Thank you. I kept on, I wanted to say Hawk. I was like, no, it's Hawkeye. Um, you know, Falcon says, when Captain America asks you to to join in, you, you go. Um, or something like that. And Maria was like, no, I have a daughter I have to take care of. I have a life here. 
And I can't just drop everything to go on this super dangerous, life-threatening mission. And, you know, as a mother, I totally get that. Um, And then her daughter is the one who's like, no, you absolutely have to go. Um, But, you know, that's a perspective that we really haven't seen all that much. You know, Hawkeye makes a joke during Civil War that I'm disappointing my kids. I told them I was going to take them on a fishing trip. And that's the extent that we see. And I I know we're going to see a lot more in Endgame um, with Hawkeye and his family. But that's that's the extent that we've seen, you know, a superhero or a sidekick really consider how their actions and what they're about to do is going to impact their family. And that's important because normal people consider those things. Yeah, well, that's that's very, very true. So is there anything about the film that you didn't care for? You mean other than the fact that her hair was in her face? Yes. Okay. Not not that comes to mind. I mean, it. I don't think it was the best Marvel movie, um, but it was certainly, certainly an excellent movie. Um, oh, <laughs> One thing, not answering your question in any way, shape, or form, that I really did enjoy was... That's actually the antithesis of my question. Yeah, it's exactly the opposite of what you just asked. Um, Was when Jude Law's character, at the end, as they're fighting and he realizes she's about to beat him, tries to turn it around and, you know, you have to prove to me that you can beat me down without your powers. And she's, no, I don't. And just beats him down using what she's got. Yeah, Jude Law gets his ass kicked a, a, a fair number of times. Yes. Um, but there there wasn't anything that jumped out at me as being something that I really disliked. As I said, at first, I really disliked every time he told her to control her emotions. But then reflecting on it, I realized this is something that we deal with in society all the time. And it should make me mad when I hear it. There's There's nothing wrong with including it because it is a female experience that should be explored and should be exposed. So even though it made my blood boil every time, I'm actually really glad it was in the movie. I think the only thing that I really didn't care for in the film was some of the cinematography during the fights sequences was very shaky cam and it sometimes looked almost like the camera wasn't quite pointing where it should have been i didn't notice that but i also was trying not to go to the bathroom the entire movie being 35 weeks pregnant yes that is definitely worth noting that you (laughs) did make it through the whole film um yeah it was just it wasn't like it it didn't completely destroy the film for me. I certainly really enjoyed it. I think a number of the fight scenes were very good and it got better as the film went along, but especially in the first battle against the scrolls, there were a few times where I was like, I don't I know scrolls are getting beaten down, but I don't know much more than that because I'm having a hard time seeing and focusing on what's going on. Yeah. And there was one point on the the lab ship during the fight while they're trying to get the the scrolls to escape and she's fighting with Jude Law um, that all of a sudden Jude Law is in an escape pod or whatever he's in but it also looked like she was I was it was unclear to me who she was still fighting because at first it looked like he was the only one left for her to fight right and now he's off in some pod and we go back and she's still fighting like I'm confused as to who it is probably because of the cut scenes and the cinematography and it was a little bit dark but yeah so it looks like Captain Marvel's on the way to at least a successful opening, I would say. I don't think this is going to be the box office smash record breaker that Black Panther was, but I think we're off to a very strong start. Taking a look at Box Office Mojo, as of this morning, they're looking at about 
at about $20.7 million from the Thursday preview. So that's just two showings on a Thursday night. Most theaters do a 7 o'clock and like a 10, 10.30 showing. Um, so $20.7 million is a fairly substantial chunk of change for that. So based on that, they're looking at projections from anywhere from 135 to 175 million for an opening weekend. Now, I want to say it's probably this film is probably on 150 to 170 million dollar budget. So, you know, they're going to have to work at it to to make up their money, but I certainly think they're going to they're going to get it back. We'll probably end up in the I would think 400 million or so range, maybe more. Yeah, our theater wasn't completely full, not as full as it's been when we've gone to, you know, the first showing of other blockbuster superhero films. But it was it was pretty darn full. Really? I didn't I did not notice any empty seats. I think there were a few in the front. I don't know. I will say, you know, I was a little surprised. It was a fairly quiet audience. It was. And admittedly, while there are some jokes, some humorous moments, it's not a particularly funny film. This is an Ant-Man. Right. So, you know, it's not super deep, dark, depressing, super heavy, but it's not excessively happy, smiley, light either. I do think I heard somebody try to get a clap started at the end of the Stanley Marvel intro. Yes, I did hear I did hear someone start clapping for that. What were your thoughts on that? I think it was a nice touch for Stanley. My only problem with that, and it really I think in general is a problem with the new opening is that the old opening as as the Marvel logo would would basically zoom out on the Marvel logo, it would be flipping comic pages of the hero right in the film and now we see quick clips from all of the other marvel films so i i would have liked and the same thing with black Panther. i would have liked to have seen you know issues of captain marvel flipping flipping through right okay now you have more of an eye for cameos and easter eggs so what were some of the things that you noticed uh let's see so the first one i noticed was uh kelly sue deconic was in the subway scene as just one of the the passers-by staring at captain marvel kelly sue deconic being the comic book writer who transitioned Carol Danvers from Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel. The bar that she talks to Nick Fury at is called Poncho's, which is a reference to um, the early days of experimental jet jet aviation. It's specifically talked about at a fair length in the book, The Right Stuff, which, as I say, note, when she's in Blockbuster, as Carol's walking out, she stops for a second, picks up, the, picks up a movie and looks at it, and, and it's The Right Stuff. But Poncho's is a reference to a bar where a lot of the aviators at what would become Edwards Air Force Base, it wasn't even Edwards at the time, would go to. So like Chuck Yeager was a regular at Poncho's and actually broke his ribs, three ribs, I believe, I think the day before breaking the sound barrier because he went drinking at Poncho's and then horseback riding. (laughs) Uh, And then... As Captain Marvel is changing the color of her uniform, at one point, I think she goes through something that is very reminiscent of the old black, red, and gold, the black and gold, but the one she stops on before deciding on her final color scheme is white and green, which is an homage to the color scheme of the original Captain Marvel's costume, or at least of his original costume. And actually, the last one is that I thought of is the Stan Lee cameo and Stan Lee is on a train and he's reading a script for Mallrats and yeah, Mallrats was released in 1995. So 1994, 1995, that would have been a very fitting time for him to be 
stand to be reading the Mallrats script as he has a cameo in that film. So as soon as I saw that, I, I, I really appreciated that. One, because I like Stanley, I like that cameo. Two, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith, and I especially like Mallrats. So I'm sure there are more. At some point, I would like to see the film again. It may not happen until it's out on, on Blu-ray. It's certainly a film I am willing to see again. I think just you and I are at points in our life where we don't really get a chance to see films multiple times. Again, 35 weeks pregnant, which it's worth noting only because it's amusing to both of us. has no impact on anybody else in the world, but the last female superhero movie that came out wonder woman we went and saw the the first the opening weekend of and i was 33 weeks pregnant with our first son then yes we're not going to keep this up because i'm no (laughs) from from what i understand uh black widows in pre-production and so we've got a, a toddler and we'll have a newborn and we're not doing it again no this shop is closed for the foreseeable future so uh any final thoughts i just i really enjoyed this movie it was refreshing to it was just a refreshing movie overall like i said in spite of the fact that it was a female lead but it was also refreshing to have a female lead and i'm excited to see her in endgame and see what she brings i'm just excited for endgame that's gonna be awesome i can't wait to see how they resolve um resolve they're (laughs) they're referring to it as the decimation there we go and yeah, and and it was it was nice to have a female superhero movie, but you're not beaten over the head with, hey, pay attention to her because she's female. It's just, no, she's an awesome hero. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I, I would agree. I really enjoyed the film. Again, it's not my favorite Marvel film. Unfortunately, I think it's just it's hard to live up to Winter Soldier. That's 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 where my favorite is. But it is a solid introduction for this character, a character who's going to be important in the future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Quite honestly, I think she's going to be the lead character moving forward. And I'm excited to see where they take the character. I'm excited to see her in that lead role. In general, I really enjoy Brie Larson. So I am very pleased with this film and what it brings to the table for the Marvel Universe. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Tune in next week where we are back to our originally scheduled programming and we will be jumping back into our Avengers issues. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.